Today we speak with the lovely Anna Verwag, who is a homeopath based in Belgium. She established the Center for Classical Homeopathy in Leuven. She gives international trainings and seminars. She's the writer of numerous publications and she's had a private clinic since 1989. With over 25 years of research, teaching and clinical experience, Anna developed her own personal style of prescribing in an effort to simplify homeopathy. She calls this the vital approach, which she now teaches to other homeopaths worldwide, including myself. For the homeopaths listening to this episode, if you use Radar Opus for your repertorization, you can purchase the Vital Approach software to be used inside Radar Opus. If you're interested in learning about this approach to prescribing, please get in touch with Anna at www.thewhiteroom.be or check the show notes. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangout. Today, we get to hang out with a lovely homeopath, educator, author extraordinaire, Anna Verwark. Welcome, Anna. Glad to meet you, Eugenie. <laughs> All the way from Belgium, I should say. So, as ik stadig Afrikaans praat, sal jy dalk verstaan wat ek sê? Absolutely. Yeah. Word for word. <laughs> <laughs> so, we are going to chat about something that I am so excited about called the simplifying homeopathy. But before we do, can you tell us just a little bit about how you were first introduced to homeopathy? Yes, I can. It's a, a long time ago, more than 35 years now. And I remember I was working and I had a break before uh, because I was, you know, like overworked, burned out before the word existed. And so I had a few weeks or months even, and I thought, instead of going back to my job, what would I really like to do with my life? With, rather than what I'm doing, what would I like to do? And I was reading through the magazine with all kinds of uh, um, trainings and courses, and they were all interesting, all of them. And so what would I choose? And I thought, well, among all those, I have two, two preferences. And one is like um, body work, like um, psychotherapy. And because I did that before, and I thought, and homeopathy, because I had an experience with my children when they were small and it was a good experience. So, and I thought, oh, this, this, you know, energetic body work, that's too much of a responsibility. I don't dare to do this. Let's take homeopathy. That's easier. <laughs> so what? <laughs> Little what did you mistake, know. <laughs> what a mistake I made. <laughs> so I got in there by accident thinking it was more medical than um, than it really is, that I discovered later, and that it was more uh, related to herb, herbal therapy, uh, which is not, of course. Mm -hmm. yeah. But as you said, little did I know, so I started with the, <laughs> uh, with the training, and then, as I always say, homeopathy is contagious. Eh? It is. It's uh, <laughs> chronic. <laughs> and it's incurable. Once you have it, you never get rid of it. So that happened to me. 
<laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> now, um, I've just had the lovely, well, Fridays is my batch recording day. So I do all my recordings and I've just had the lovely Jan Shelton on who said to give you a hug. Oh, <laughs> but but I said to him, I don't know if I should curse him or love him because he has introduced so many new remedies to homeopathy that sometimes it feels overwhelming. And not just with that, but we've got so many different prescribing styles. We've got over 8,000 remedies. I actually think it's part of the reason a lot of homeopaths stop practicing because sometimes it can be overwhelming. Now, I just want to do, I just want to read a quote that you wrote on, I think it was (laughs) HPathy, because this will give our audience a little bit of a background of the mind of a homeopath, what we're doing while we're taking your case and we're listening to the words, every word that you're saying, this is what's going on in the back of the head. Uh, so what level is the patient talking from? What kingdom could it be? Is he compensating or not? Is the word used a sensation word or a common expression? Is it a miasm language or a sensation language? Could it be a remedy? I don't know. Maybe even an unknown kingdom. Is the patient on source level or just imagining? What could his hand gesture be that he's pointing to? Is it a state or a story that he's saying? What information can I use? But he keeps on talking psychobabble. This is what goes on in our minds <laughs> when we yeah. are taking a case. So <laughs> yeah. I love that you said you are going to be talking about simplifying homeopathy. So I'm going to sit back here, take a breath and relax while you tell us about how we can do this impossible task. <laughs> it sounds impossible, doesn't it? And it looks like we're only you know, chatting a bit with our patients. You know, they're rambling away and we're making notes. And at the end, we make a prescription. And, you know, it's easy. Uh, it's an easy job, you know. And yeah, I used to encourage my patients with only saying, mm-hmm. You know, making this sound like, mm-hmm, like meaning go on mm-hmm. because you were not yeah. allowed to say anything <laughs> because otherwise you, you know, directing the case and that's not done. And so my partner, he, when he heard me in the office, he said, for two hours, you go like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you go, aha. And that means, you know, the remedy, <laughs> you know, that the consultation is finished. But basically that's what's happening, you know, while you're doing the mm mm-hmm, you're doing all those things that you just said. So how in the world can you indeed do these impossible things all together and then come to a conclusion after two hours? That's a bit of my mission to make this possible because it it became virtually unmanageable. If you have 100 remedies or 200, like when we started off 200, 250, maybe 300 would do. With a good repertory and a, a few, you know, s- search strategies, you you could come up with a good remedy, not with 8,000. And I would not even limit it to the 8,000 because I prescribe on a regular basis remedies that are not included. Because, <gasps> yeah, if you know where to look and you know what to look for, you know when you have it. Because then you have uh, your focus. Yeah? The thing that I need has to have these qualities, these characteristics. And you will uh, look until you find it. So how to do this? You, you're right. More remedies, more systems. Mm? It is overwhelming. I saw my students after five years, indeed, not even there to start a practice because they felt I will never be able to do this. And I know I will make wrong prescriptions. So why would I even start? Eh? Or they limit themselves with a, a, a very narrow broadband. And they only did this, only classical remedies, only whatever, uh, detox, or whatever, miasmatic approach. So they, or they follow one, one guru, <laughs> one mm-hmm. master. <laughs> yeah. And with exclusion of all the other possibilities, and that's too bad for your patients. <laughs> because all the patients who need the remedy that is outside 
of your so, bandwidth, yeah, your gyroscope. So that is too bad. How can we find the remedy or the best suitable remedy for everybody and not not get crushed under too much information because that's it. So I'm not advocating leaving the information out. I'm trying to teach and, and show how in all this information, what is the information we need, what is essential, what is reliable, and how much information do we need before we can decide on a remedy. So for me, the answer is, and I'm now making a big step because it's percolated over years, it comes down to analyzing first like the, the big characteristics and then going to the uh, smaller and more and more details. So first you have to somehow have, have an idea of what big group the patient belongs to. So it is a way of listening. You don't have to have all the details, but you have to somehow develop an organ, I say, for listening to the, the essentials. Mm. Mm. And that is what I teach because that's theoretically, but I, you know, demonstrated case after case after case. And if yeah, I'm live cases with public. And so if people sit in and we do an analysis after one uh, half an hour or something, three quarters of an hour, and I always ask him the question, what kind of patient is sitting in front of you? What kind of case do you have? That's in very general questions. We don't even think about remedies. Mm-hmm. We just try to understand the person with the problem. So it's more important to know which person has the symptom hmm, mm-hmm. than to know which symptom has the person. That's the quote. So I'm in line with Jan Scholten, I feel, where he, with his complicated system with numbers, actually in other words, says the same thing, like the three first numbers of his plant system is about the person, not even about the complaints. It describes the person the way the person is. So for me, I call it the context, but it comes down to the same. Who is that person in front of you? Now, not a psychological portrait. You don't want the psychology yet, mm. <laughs> but we want to know how does he behave mm. How does he present himself? What impression does the person person made on you? How does he verbalize his problem? So his introductory paragraph is very important. And in the course of time, I concluded that you have like two big groups, and I call them the two-dimensional and the three-dimensional groups. Mm. So before we had like in the systematics that developed from the late 90s, the beginning of uh, this century, we had a, a family analysis in, in plants, minerals, mm-hmm. and animals. And again, Jan Scholten was one of the, the, the first, if not the first, the pioneer with his book on, on uh, elements. Mm-hmm. So he started with the periodic table, bringing the periodic table in chart and, and explaining it as like an evolutionary progression of a human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's all symbolic. Right? It's mm-hmm. not reality because we don't prescribe on reality. We prescribe on as if. Yeah. And, and that mm-hmm. understanding we have from Sankaran. Mm-hmm. Yeah? That delusion, delusion equals mm-hmm. disease or disease equals delusion. So mm-hmm. we prescribe on delusion on the as if mm-hmm. situation, the perceived situation. So the out of reality situation, which basically is disease. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So Jan Scholten started with this outlining 
the characteristics of the periodic table. Then later, of course, the question was, and what about plants? Mm. <laughs> Is that a kingdom in itself with characteristics? Yes, the question was answered with yes and same with animals. But then for me, then my question was, what about all the others? Mm-hmm. What about carbons? They're not on the periodic table. What about bacteria? What about sarcodes? We have so many remedies, mm-hmm. thousands, that are not even in these three boxes. So limiting ourselves to the three boxes was, again, a limitation. Like before, we limited ourselves to, I don't know, 30 polycrests and then 200 remedies. And now we're going to limit ourselves to three boxes and we're going to squeeze everybody in. That's not the progression. Eh? Mm. So that's how I came to the conclusion that a lot of people who sound like minerals are not minerals. They just sound like minerals. But they have different other characteristics yeah? and not everybody who sounds like a plant who sounds like an animal is a plant or an animal can be a fungi as well mm-hmm. so there's another group we have to incorporate there and not all plants are the same we have primitive plants we have you know not flowering plants and flowering plants angiosperms gymnosperms and even more primitive plants and also in the animal world there's a, a, a vast variety so we need a little bit more differentiation but the biggest one for me is like 2d and 3d now 2d and 3d i brought this concept i put this concept on a map you've probably seen the map mm-hmm. so this yes is i've got the radar opus module yeah okay yeah so it is a very simple i find it a very simple like world map mm-hmm. of all the, the the groups and families that we use and it's almost, you could almost say it's like a world map or, or a, a, when you go on a treasure hunt, which basically is finding the remedies, a treasure hunt. Sorry, my parents-in-law <laughs> like, law just arrived. <laughs> okay, okay. You guys are so naughty. How are you there? I got a <laughs> Sorry, I knew they were coming around this time and I was hoping the dogs would be quiet because they always like to sleep by my feet when I'm recording because there's nice air conditioning in here. <laughs> <laughs> good sorry you were saying so, yeah i say that like a homeopathic consultation is almost like a treasure hunt we want mm-hmm. to find the best remedy for the person the similimum the holy grail which is the remedy with the biggest potential of harmonizing like all levels in the patient and make him mm-hmm. feel you know physically and mentally emotionally at the top of his possibilities, yeah, which is, in in the way, the most beautiful work you can do. Mm-hmm. So if you go on this treasure hunt, you better have a map. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get very lost. <laughs> yeah, especially when you know there's at least 8,000 remedies mm. to consider. Mm. So that is then my, my roadmap, like take the roadmap and you, if you go on a treasure hunt and then you see you have two pages. So the one page is 2D mm-hmm. uh, groups and the other one is 3D. What do I mean with 2D? Well, it, the idea is based on the concept, because it's all conceptual, mm-hmm. that we have different dimensions. Eh? And of course, there are more than three. But for us, we, people, eh? as we live on the surface of the earth, that is 3D. That's it's the third dimension. That's the, the realm of, of animals and, and plants and humans. Under our feet, there's also a world, eh? Uh, more dense, more dark, but the t- theming with life anyway. So we think it's it's not, but it's the, also the realm of bacteria and viruses and a lot of uh, chemical processes. 
and also the, um, the building blocks, if you want, of 3D. Mm? Mm. Because all the elements, all the ores, all the crystals, it's all under our feet. Mm? That's a more yeah. dense world, but it's like, um, as I said, the building blocks of, and, and it's the source. It's where, the, you know, the roots of the plants go for food. It's the source yeah. for, for food, for nurturing, for health. Eh? So our 2D is basically our underworld. Eh? And then you have 1D. So the first dimension would be the crystal iron, the iron crystal in the in the center of, of the planet Earth. And then you have 4 and 5D. But for practical purposes, 2 and 3 will do. That's so enough. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, just keep it to those two. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Making it simple is the same yeah. with the... The vital approach, I use like five mm-hmm. levels. There are probably more levels, but yeah. I think for practical purposes. <laughs> Don't add simple. any more, please. <laughs> no, <laughs> exactly. And it, it works. It is practical. Mm-hmm. Eh? So what do you find on 2D? Of course, you have the elements. That's the whole Jan Scholten system with the seven rows on the periodic table. Be familiar mm-hmm. with that. So that's good. You don't have mm-hmm. to learn anything new. Okay, we already good. know that. <laughs> but then if you have a patient that is presenting as 2D, and I will explain how it is, and it's not one of the elements, you have here on the map the other possibilities. Mm. So it could be bacteria, it could be sarcode, it, it could be gemstone, it could be a celestial body or a virus, but how will you know? Well, that's that's the core of my training. How will you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but first, you have to know on which page are you, this page or this, this page. 3D is animal, plant, or fungi. So I like boiled it down to the characteristics of the patients, 2D and 3D. And that's very interesting, but also it's fun because 2D patients present in a particular way. Usually they're more factual, the more sober, the more simple, not simple tons. I mean, mm-hmm. they can be highly intelligent, mm-hmm. yeah. but the case usually is more simple. It's mm-hmm. more uncomplicated, like, <laughs> uncomplicated. One, one problem, even if they have two problems, it boils down to the same. It's more about my capacity. You know, in my students, when we analyze a case, as soon as the patient starts to say, I can't, mm-hmm. they, they know it's too deep. Mm -hmm. I can't do this, I can't do that, I lack the capacity to, I I wish I could, all that. It's about I can or I cannot. (laughs) So that's my capacity. Um, It's about function, about role, about meaning, about all these conceptual things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They do have feelings, of course, everybody has, we're human. Mm -hmm. Their feelings, fights, everything, but they label them instead of, sharing them with you Mm. so that's a very important distinction and if you know that that is a pointer for a particular dimension you're safe you can lean back you say okay 2d (laughs) at least you only have (laughs) half of the possibilities (laughs) only a few thousand remedies left (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) same with 3d if your Mm -hmm. patient is like engaging he asks how are you today or do you have a new haircut he's good on you or your, your office is very bright, you have a lot of light here. Or some patients walk in and they say, glad to meet you. I saw you on the internet. I thought you were bigger. <laughs> or I thought you were taller. If they start like this, we know we're in an animal kingdom. Mm. Because they're already giving comments on how you are. They're mm. already, you know, 
let's say, um, testing you. Like, oh, you are like this, you know. The, actually, it's a bit an inappropriate uh, remark because it doesn't matter. Yeah? But since they're in an animal kingdom, they're always looking around, like who is there and who is bigger, who is faster, who is more beautiful, who is richer, who is... So, and they let you know, while plants would just be engaging. Mm -hmm. Ask your mom, is she better? You know, because they heard that you had to go to the hospital a few weeks ago and mm -hmm. to visit your mom and they will remember and they will feel with you, empathize with you. Mm -hmm. So these opening remarks are sometimes enough. If a patient says, I'm so affected by what's happening in the world, I'm affected by the plant statement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm not saying that, okay, your, your decision is made, but already you have what I would call a dot. Mm. And for me, homeopathy, if you boil it down to, to the essentials, it is pattern matching. You have a pattern of a patient and you have a pattern of a remedy, which mm. we know by provings, and we match the patterns. That's the law of similars. A similar pattern will bring about health and well-being in a patient. That's, you know, our whole homeopathic theory in a nutshell. Mm, mm. So in order to see the pattern, we have to be on the lookout for the, the dots to connect. And when you connect the dots, you have a pattern. Right? Mm -hmm. That's like a children's game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that, that is what I'm trying to make people sensitive to. Mm -hmm. What is a dot? And one of the first dots is on which page are you? Is it a 2D dot or is it a 3D dot? Then you already have, as I say, half of your possibilities. Now, let's say you decided on a 2D dot, then you have seven possibilities. You have seven rows. Mm -hmm. And as I said, people are familiar with the characteristics of the row by Jan Schoten, so that's good. You don't have to learn anything new. And let's say you decide that it must be a fourth row. Mm -hmm. A fourth row is what I need is, uh, or do I have the capacity to sustain myself? Mm. That's basically fourth row. I want to be like a normal person, a normal citizen. I already, uh, second row, I'm a, a separate being. I build up my identity. That's third row. I know who I am. Fourth row, can I sustain myself in the world? That's fourth row. Mm. So it's simple as that. And I always boil it down to simple essentials like that. If you don't have it, it is not fourth row. Even if people talk about their work... And they talk about the relationship, which about everybody does, <laughs> because that's the theater of our life. So that doesn't make a person fourth row, mm. because everybody talks about these situations, these circumstances. Mm. But th this can be any remedy on any level. A fourth row is how can I sustain myself in the world? And how do I perceive the world? I want law and order. I want security. I, you know, I want a job, a family, a house, uh, a pension, three holidays a year, a car. I want what everybody else has. It's, it's society. Hmm? There, there should be law and order. There should be police to punish the wrongdoers and all that. That gives me safety and security for my life. Otherwise, other people would just die yeah, if they were forced to live like that. Mm. <laughs> but a lot of people, for them, it's what they need, what they need in order to be okay, their conditions mm. to be okay. 
because that's my basic question to the to the homeopaths. Let's say <laughs> we already moved on to the second part of the consultation. You did your big division in 2D and 3D. Maybe you even came down to the conclusion it must be a plant or animal or mineral or whatever. Then the question is, what are the conditions to be okay? Mm -hmm. And if the conditions to be okay for your patient are, I need security and, and, and predictability and certainty that I and need the capacity to sustain myself in the society, we know we're on fourth mm. row. That's all, I think, kind of simple. I mean, I think we're all capable of doing this. I, I hope so. So let's say you, you came down with conclusion, you know, to the fourth row, and then you see on the map, normally speaking, you would give an element of the fourth row on the periodic table, 18 choices. Mm -hmm. Wow. But yeah. So 18 remedies to consider, and maybe a few mixtures, but not so many on the fourth. Mm -hmm. Well, you have all the calis and the calciums, but anyway, only, you know, maybe 30 or something. Mm -hmm. But then you feel like mm -mm, the issue is not there. Mm -hmm. The issue is, for instance, more emotional. There is more, you know, concern for the family well-being and all that and, and emotional suffering because the quarrels and that's not all on the fourth row. Mm -hmm. But still, the person has the, you know, the wish to be a normal citizen and to do whatever is asked from him and he has this a bit of a distant and aloof presentation mm -hmm. of, of his problems then we have two more or three more now we have the sarcodes we have the gemstones and the waters mm -hmm. three other groups to consider do you know them or don't you know them it's not a problem it's not even a problem let's say i never prescribed in my life a water remedy aqua whatever it's no problem. Mm. You know, already now, 2D, fourth row, uh, three possibilities. It's not element, so three possibilities left. Mm. So now you boil it down to three families. Mm -hmm. Now you can start your repertorization. Mm. And it's even more helpful if you study the characteristics of these three families. Then you only have to consider one. So the characteristics are also on the map. And I also, you know, introduced them in my, uh, in more detail in my, you know, software search mm -hmm. program, which I call the smart program. It thinks for you. You don't have to think it. It thinks for you. And then you can type in a few keywords of your case, mm -hmm. knowing that you want to consider only 2D, 4 row groups, mm -hmm. and then see what comes up. And then let's say you want to, to check the, Characteristics of the sarcodes, you click on sarcodes, and there's a box opening with the mm. sarcodes elemental keynotes. I can so, definitely vouch for that program. I've got it in my radar opus as well, and it's a wonderful program. Yeah. It's really easy to use. It's very easy. It takes 15 mm -hmm. minutes to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the I'm information is all from cases. It's all original from cases. That's amazing. And did you say there's over 500 remedies are there now? Yeah. That's amazing. Over yeah, in that program. Yeah. And um, Anna, for any homeopaths listening that they want to learn about this, I know I purchased your course through Naturopathic Continuing Education, and you've got a you've got an introduction course there, and I've got the advanced course as well, which is about forty hours. But is there anywhere else that you teach this as well, or how, where would you tell the homeopaths to go to learn more about this approach? Oh, on my website there is this um, online 
training. I think it's called the vital approach. And these are 10 clips. We were going to make 10 more, but, it, you know, we did the basics, the 10 yeah. um, clips are all over YouTube as well. And they're for free outlining the idea of the vital approach. So what is it? It's the five level diagram. What does it mean? It's mm -hmm. about miasmas and kingdoms. And then it's the main groups. And then some clips are on examples, except for instance, uh, some plant families. Uh, so that's the basics, the 10. And this, I think one hour, a clip. Mm -hmm. So it must be uh, around 10 hours. And then we have the Fridays with Anna, which is very informal. That's yeah. a colleague, friend who always asks me a million questions. And I say, why do you just record them? <laughs> <laughs> I've watched several of them. They're great. It's with yours, Tay. <laughs> with yours, yeah. It, yeah. It is, he's, he's great. But all these questions, and he has interesting questions. So that's why I say just record them because otherwise. <laughs> so those clips, we also have like 20 question and answers with uh, Rene Otter. These clips are also my website. So there's a lot of videos, clips, is all for free, by the way. Mm, amazing. And if you go, for instance, on YouTube, you have introductory clips for the Family Finder mm. with Luke Norland. There are a few, like, what is it all about? What can mm. you do with it? How does it work? So I think there's lots of information for free. And then those courses that you mentioned, you have to pay for them, but they're you know, very well prepared with PowerPoints and all that. <laughs> It's amazing. Um, Anna, do you think it's important for a patient when they're coming to see a homeopath that does the style of prescribing for them to do any sort of groundwork before they go in? Or is it better for the patient just to go in with an open mind and just not worry and just kind of go for it? Absolutely. They, they don't need to prepare. It's even better not to prepare mm -hmm. because as uh, spontaneous they can be, the, the more reliable the symptom is. That's why I always say to students and homeopaths, try to refrain from questioning at least the first three quarters of an hour. Although you might, you know, be tempted because you think, oh, you just said a sensation word, you know, I have to grab it, forget <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. If it's important, it will come back. If it's not important, mm. forget it. Because otherwise you risk leading the patient and giving the patient the idea that you know where, where you need to go in order to find the, the treasure. It's not. It's the patient leading you. Mm. And so the more they are spontaneous and not knowing, the better. Mm. Mm. Because if they come with a list of symptoms, well, okay, that's also a symptom. Yeah, that's <laughs> <Everything>. true. <laughs> Everything is a symptom. I always say there's no way you can hide your state. There's you no can't. way. <laughs> I actually so had a... You do. I had a client yesterday and my my adult initials is usually an hour and a half. But after an 45 minutes, I said to her, I'm just going to charge you for a child consult because I literally cannot like pull any more information out of you because she, it was just one sentence, one sentence question, like actually one word answers. It was so hard to get any information out of her. But of course, being homeopaths, that in itself gives oh. us a clue as to what remedy she needs. So yeah, it's um I always try to make I don't know. I, I just want people to get an experience for what it is like to go to a homeopath. And it's so different for everyone. You can't, it's not something you can really tell somebody what it's like. And that's why I try to have lots of different people on the podcast so that our listeners can yeah. see so many different ways of approaching a case and so many different ways that we can help you. And um, yeah. yeah, so like you were saying, just be open-minded and go and see a homeopath and 
Yeah. The, the, I think the the most important for a homeopath, and we heard it a million times, is, you know, receive a case. Mm-hmm. And receive a case means, like, sit with your patient without any judgment, of course, the unprejudiced observer, which is from Hanuman and so true, that you are genuinely curious to know who are you. Yeah. And it's a magical thing when a patient is willing to share himself with you. So that's almost a gift that the patient gives to you, trusts you enough, and and to show his, to open his his heart and soul for you. Mm-hmm. Their real feelings, their real experiences, and they only do this when they feel, I think, at ease, understood, heard, and accepted. Whatever they tell, whatever they tell, and that you just like feedback. I understand. Please go on. Hmm? What do you mean? Because if you don't understand, you ask for more clarification because you want to understand. And you don't make any assumption, uh, uh, psychological assumption or, or some judgment about their uh, composure mm-hmm. or whatever. You just want to know who are you? How is your world? How is it to be you? How do you perceive your world? How can I help you? That's a homeopathic experience, I think. And in itself, I think it's a bit of a, a healing thing for both, that you can be that open and authentic with each other. The homeopath has done a skill to say, well, that's your remedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anna, have you got some examples of cases from your clinic, perhaps? And sorry, I'm jumping this on you right now. But do you have some cases of where you've used the vital approach and what remedies you ended up giving? Have you got maybe some like uh, more unusual remedies and and how you've come up with them? Sorry, I've, I, I jumped that on you. <laughs> no, 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 it's good. that You decide how, how open I can be with this, but I don't do anything else than prescribing funny remedies. Oh, good. Because- <laughs> <laughs> Please tell us. I was, I was actually like at the end of every episode, I always say, what's your three favorite homeopathic remedies? But for you, I'm going to say, you know, what's the three remedies that you prescribe that's not in the Materia Medica or the three most interesting ones that you want to share with us? Well, you might have heard about the, the gift that I discovered I have. Yes, I, I have. Yeah, 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 I have read about that, that you can actually yeah. know what remedy a person needs even before they've made a consultation. Okay, so then I don't have to tell you all the details about no, it. No, tell- it's quite shocking for me to discover this because, you know, I was this hardworking homeopath, you know, this with an analytical mind and, and telling my students, like, don't go for feelings, you know, you have to have arguments, it won't, it won't get you through your exams, you know, I need uh, uh, justification. And then of, of all persons, this happens to me, you know, like... <laughs> Homeopathy keeps maybe, us humble. Yeah, maybe because... Just because I was like hammering on this argumentation and and evidence and all that. And then I find myself in a situation that I say, this is the remedy because I know. Mm. (laughs) How do you know? Well, it's a a bit hard to explain because I know, because I know, you know. And I came to terms with it after a few years because it, it took a while. And now I work with it as, as if it's the most normal thing oh. on, on the planet, but it is not. Because every time somebody comes, I'm now in the position of knowing the outcome and being as curious as I've always been, like, who is the person with this remedy in this state? 
So my position changed, but my interest and my curiosity didn't change. I don't have to solve the puzzle anymore, but uh, I want to now, I want to understand the way to come to it because only in, in that way I can share it with the homeopathic yeah. community and they benefit from it. Otherwise I could do my practice and prescribe, you know, five minute prescriptions and it would always be a similar but we would miss the healing effect of the encounter with the patient, which is very important. Mm. We would uh, not be able to manage the case, which is as difficult as prescribing a remedy <laughs> because, you know, effects of uh, remedies are different with different people. I would not be able to find the exact potency at the exact time if I didn't have a case because I need a case for that. Mm. And so I would not be able to explain management either. And as a homeopath, we want to understand. We want to, as I said, we want to be there with the patient and know how is it to be you. So it's it's not very fulfilling to say, well, you need this gemstone and go in peace. You know, I don't, I don't want to see you anymore. <laughs> that is not my calling as a homeopath. Uh-huh. So these t- two things come together. So it's it's a gift and I consider it a gift. Mm. Although it, it complicates life in a, in a in, in a different way, but I'm feeling uh, grateful for, how to say, the possibility to do this because every time you give a similimum to a patient and, and, and you see them afterwards and you see how miraculous this can work in people, it's, it's such a pleasure. It makes your heart sing every time. It's amazing. So to answer so, your question. <laughs> so you sort of start with the answer and then you have to reverse yeah. engineer it to get the exactly. equation so you can then share that equation with the other homeopaths and then what the answer exactly. will be. That's really special. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, and that's how this came about. So I I tried to found, find ways to share this information so it is use, uh, how to say, user-friendly. It's easily accessible. Everybody can understand it. And it's waterproof because I see it again and again and again in my patients. Mm. So it is always uh, confirmed. Mm? Mm. And I, as I said, I do patients in public because I want people to be there, mm. to experience how we came to that remedy and how in, in their private practices they can do it now by themselves because they've seen the proof of it anyway. Mm-hmm. So the three most important remedies, <laughs> that's an impossible question because if you go to the family finder, you will find like more than 100, maybe 200 or 300 that are, let's say, original. Yeah? And I prescribe celestial bodies like Venus and Mars and wow. Jupiter. I prescribed all kinds of waters like uh, aqua, vichy, and, and aqua, elmen, and you Sanicula. Sanicula, of course, but that's the known one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All kinds of funny animals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like giraffe and, and bears and deer and um, camel. Oh, camel, that's nice. I have a few camels. Wow. <laughs> Kangaroo. You mm-hmm. know, these all speak to our imagination, eh? elephant, but also all kinds of butterflies and earthworms and (laughs) whatnot. We have the best job in the world. (laughs) So anything can be a remedy, really, Mm. literally everything. Mm. Yeah. Also drugs and alkaloids and 
human artifacts like you know monosodium glutamate and aspartame and and mm. all those remedies viruses name them uh, rna viruses dna viruses mm. all kind of plants of course bacteria uh, everything is a possibility and so i prescribe lots of lesser known or unknown remedies but i think that's my niche because if the person needs a pulsatilla, he will not come to me. Why? The first homeopathy consulted, he got got pulsatilla. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. So they probably would have gone to all the other homeopaths, gotten the polycrest, and then if they need the weird stuff, they end up with you. <laughs> Something like this. That's what I'm saying. That's my niche. And I, of course, I do, I do have a lot of patients who went everywhere and have seen every yeah. homeopath in the world. You know. Well, you just got me excited because I prescribed aspartame for the first time this week for one of my little um, clients with autism. So that was from Town really? Janssen's book. I'm excited to hear how that goes. And Ooh. I prescribed kangaroo. It was lac lacro. Pus giganticus, yeah, yeah, yes, uh, for yes. Uh, somebody who was very homesick uh, recently. So it was a lot of homesickness, and or people, somebody who came from another country to Australia and didn't quite feel that she didn't fit in here and was very homesick and hadn't quite established roots. So yeah, I'll, I can't yeah. tell you how it's gone, but yeah, I I love this job and um, I love that this tool that you've offered us is now opening up all these other possibilities to us. I mean, I I complain and I tease that. We have so many tools in homeopathy. It actually sometimes makes me crazy. But at the same time, <laughs> I always say I want to play with all the toys. I actually love that there's <laughs> yeah. so much out there. And I sometimes feel that being a homeopath, one of the biggest things we can learn is being comfortable with being very uncomfortable <laughs> because Absolutely. you can never get comfortable in this job. There's no. um, just so much to learn. You always have to be open and receptive to new possibilities and with this gift that you've received it's getting me very excited that it feels like this feminine and I know you talk about the, the masculine and feminine qualities in homeopathy as well but I can just feel this feminine quality coming in with homeopathy and we've had Angelica Lemka on the podcast who does intuitive homeopathy and Sarah Valentini and um, it gets me excited that there's, there's all these homeopaths female homeopaths that are tuning into their intuition and actually acknowledging it and embracing it and using it to heal. Yes, it's so so right what you're saying, because funnily enough, of course, homeopathy is is part of the world, the outside world. And if the world is, you know, more on the masculine side of, you know, believing in science and all that, which is a belief system, you know that. And everybody, I think, find it a bit funny that, you know, there's in a class of students, there's 99% women. Always, there's one man usually, mm -hmm. and who is teaching? Males. It's a man. <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How is it possible? This whole classroom of you know, in five years, they will finish the job. Nobody feels capable of teaching. The only man will, you know, jump on the front and say, you know, I will teach. And so that's because of the. I think it's a societal thing. Like we mm. we were raised like that. We expect men to say more interesting things than uh, than we do and they're more factual and and homeopathy was actually more factual and you know repertory and and rubrics and calculation mm. and and the intuitive side was a bit let's say a bit suspect now with my system the first part is very analytical very so 2d 3d what row you are then what column and so you got the group that's your roadmap Mm -hmm. Then the problem starts. Let's say you you know it's 3D, you know it's the second row. Okay, you'll end up with insect. My goodness, insects, there are a few hundred thousands. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you start? 
you can repertorize. I always say, use your material, whatever material is out there. Mm. So you know you need um, an insect. You do your repertorization, you do a f- you put a filter over it, only insects. I only want to see insects. You will end up with a blot or with cantaris, but anyway. Mm. And so <laughs> if you're not happy with that, then you can use your little hints of your case mm. and your intuition. Mm. Because sometimes we will need our intuition for the last step. The, the, you need a gemstone. Okay, mm. you, you know you need a gemstone. How many gemstones do you know? Mm, let's say you're, you're very well at it. 40? Yeah. I have a little uh, poster here with the 800 most important gemstones. The 800 <gasps> most important. <laughs> no, there's <laughs> not many. Wrong. <laughs> Once you delve in, in one group, there's always it's opening up like in the thousands. You, you need a fungi really story. Does. Yeah. And even like with the repertorizing, if you try, if you like, you would, a butterfly hardly ever comes up when you repertorize. And we were, um, I interviewed Matricia Maher today, who obviously teaches about the butterflies. And I love using the butterflies, but you will never find it in a repertorization. It's only through intuition and through like using systems like yours that you would actually come up with a butterfly remedy because it will never come up in your repertorization. Repertorization. No. So that's why I'm saying you're going for the big to the small because repertory is details. Mm. And if you start with the details, you're lost. Mm. But if you know you're on 3D, second row, insects, well, butterflies and insect. Mm. And then you can go look for butterflies because then mm. you know what you're looking for. The treasure must be there on that spot. Mm. Mm. Otherwise, you start to dig in the whole world. That's your repertory. The repertory mm. is covers the whole area. Mm. Mm. And it deals with the details. And you can't come to the right remedy by accident. With the detail, but hey, we can do better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, Anna, it was so lovely to talk with you. And uh, I feel it's such an unfair advantage because I have watched, you know, dozens of hours of you speaking. So I just, when I, when you came on today, I just felt like I knew you because I've spent so much time with you <laughs> listening to you online and, you know, doing your lectures and stuff. So I just want to thank you for your time. Just quickly, can you let our listeners know how they can get hold of you? I will pop it in the show notes as well, but just how would you like to get people to get hold of you and your books? And uh, Anna was also a, uh, author of novels in her previous life so there's some novels that you can purchase as well so how can people get hold of you the easiest is the website i think the website is www.thewhiteroom.be be mm-hmm. from belgium and you can email me it's my name mm-hmm. at thewhiteroom.be again so without uh, capitals or dots mm-hmm. or info at the white room you will always also arrive in my uh, mailbox yeah, that's it. Website is everything. The books are there. The articles mm-hmm. are there. The, the clips, the agenda, the upcoming webinars, everything is on the website. I think that's Wonderful. the easiest. Wonderful. Baie dankie vir jou tyd vandag. Ek waardeer dit baie. I don't know if you understood any of that. <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh, you did. It's so creepy how Dutch and Afrikaans can be so similar. But just want to thank you with all my heart for your time today. I really appreciate it. And um, I will be using your system more and more and more. And I hope more homeopaths jump on board as well and get into this, especially if they're feeling overwhelmed. This can be such a nice way to just kind of systemize everything for them and just give them something valuable to work with and hopefully get to play with some very interesting remedies as well. Okay. It was my pleasure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>